Genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King one minute at a time. <laughs> it's twice this week. I know. I'm slacking. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. Um, and today we're talking about Minute 139, right? Yeah, yeah. 139. Yes. It's Thursday, um, which starts with... Uh, Aomer finishing his line from yesterday, the scouts report, Minas Tirith has been surrounded um and it ends with mary saying i just want to help my friends frodo he starts listing them yeah there's a there's a thoughtful pause yes frodo and then the minute ends um so i get why this was cut because it's it, it's related to what is ultimately kind of a side character to most of the narrative um well I think it slows it slows things down, um, first of all. Um, and in a movie that's already as long as this, I understand that this was probably like we can't we don't have time for it. Um I mean this this conversation is forty five seconds, and I know you can't save all of the like forty five second insert bits. Right, because it adds up. Because it it adds up. Uh, I feel the loss of these sorts of ones when it comes to Eowyn and Mary. Well, kind they hurt the moment later on in the narrative to not have some of this. I think that these add to Eowyn's Eowyn's time to shine. I am also um, the logistics of this conversation happening here. Um, make no sense to me. Yeah, because she doesn't have her helmet on and there's just all these people around. I want to talk about the random dude that is behind Mary sitting on the log that is like clearly close enough to hear him say my lady. um, Right. And that he's a hobbit. Like, does he, is he sleeping? Does he not care that Eowyn is here? So pet theory time, none of the other like general soldiers really give a damn about any of this because they just, you know, they don't want to well, die. They'll just follow Eowyn anyway. They respect Eowyn and they know that she could kick their ass. <laughs> like, I think the only people in Rohan that, that care that Eowyn is here in a you shouldn't be here sense are Theoden and Amor. I think like no one else in Rohan gives a damn. Okay, but also like I we we talked about this already, but like Theoden is counting on Eowyn to, like, rule in his stead. Right. We talked about that with Tierney. Yeah. yeah. Like, just, girl. Put your helmet on. <laughs> like, come on. Right? Like, who is in charge? Of this, like, squadron. No, who's in charge back at oh, Metacell? Oh, Metacell? Um, gambling? <laughs> no, gambling's here. Gambling's here. here. Someone's gonna put Theoden's armor on for right, him. Yes, That's gambling. Yeah, I don't know. Hama's son, like who did they leave in charge? Eowyn. <laughs> like what's going on at home, guys? Yeah, exactly. Um, Theoden thinks all his ducks are in a row. Eowyn is right. He's lined up for retirement. Like, but no. 
This is the mama duckling who the the mama duck and one of her ducklings has just swam off. <laughs> Killed the witch king. Just don't Spoiled. know what's going on. Yeah, no. I um yeah, this doesn't make any sense logistically. Um it's 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 I agree. It, it's and normally I like advocate for this stuff because I like um personal like interpersonal um character conversations. Right? I this is this is this conversation is really important for both of them. Yes. Um but it also feels a little bit like retreading um familiar ground to me. Mm. Um where you have Eowyn like ready to go all in and be like, yeah, I'm going to die. And then Mary's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like people, I mean, people care about both of us. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess when it comes to Mary, this is kind of a retread of the conversation with Aragorn from right at the beginning of this movie, mm. like a little bit. It, yeah. It's, it, it's definitely providing a similar kind of insight into how Mary feels about all of this. Um, But I still really like it because I think that this is a more this is a more explicit um sh- showing of of who Mary is on the inside mm. than we get pretty much anywhere else I think like this is this is more explicitly about how he sees himself in the big picture and not just about how he sees himself uh in his relationship to Pippin mm-hmm. which is really what that conversation with Aragorn is about right um like this this is this is a lot closer and is a good mirror to Pippin's conversation with Gandalf the night before the siege of Gondor and i think that having those mirrored moments with Merry and Pippin also helps strengthen the bond we're supposed to feel in their narrative so i i think that this scene like i get why they cut stuff like this but i think that this moment between Merry and Eowyn really is doing a lot character wise for Mary. Yeah. That is just lost without it. And I think that this is the 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 best one of the Mary Aowen stuff that was cut. Because I think that this is this is informing how Aowen sees Mary. It's giving us uh like a a more direct insight into who Mary is. We see Aowen confronted with uh, a little more directly about how other people kind of feel about this conflict in a way that she doesn't seem to have considered before this. Mm-hmm. It redoubles her resolve. It's her supporting Mary again. It's a mirror to Pippin. Like it, it's just this one conversation is just doing a lot for me. Yeah. So that I, I really feel like this one should have stayed, but I, the background, what's going on around them does kind of pull you out of it when you really think about the logistics of it. Yeah. And maybe that's part of why they cut it. Because, like, the whole point is, like, she reveals herself to be, you know, Eowyn. Right. Um, At the climax of, of her. Yeah. I, I don't you even straight know. straight don't have the time to do all the Durnhelm stuff. I don't even know where stuff. the, the freaking climax of this movie is. <laughs> I guess we'll talk about it. The, as the climax, like... the, the true climax of this movie, in my opinion, is for Frodo. Okay. That's where I think the movie is at its highest emotional point. Interesting. Like before it starts to slow down. Mm. Because like for Frodo is happening at the same time as what's going on in Mount Doom. Yeah. So I think that that's the that's the climax of the movie, in my opinion. Pelnor Fields is this movie has like three climaxes and five endings. Right? Like whatever. <laughs> 
It's just it just is what it is. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Because if so if you were to split this movie into two movies. Oh Pel- god, why? Pelnor Fields would have been the end of movie one. No no. What would have been the end of movie one? You can't do that. What would that. you have done? But would why you Shelob? Why would you do that? Like would you do Shelob as the end of movie no, one? No, why would you do that? Because this movie is super long and there is uh clearly even more stuff for this third one compared to the other two that was left on the cutting room, cutting room floor that isn't even in the extended versions of these movies. Cuz like Cuz there is there is a lot of ground to cover. The runtime on the theatrical one is like what, 3 hours, something like that. It's like that? 3 hours and 20 minutes. Okay. There's like 40 minutes of added stuff. Right. Um but like 40 minutes is not a movie make. I I No, but I I Yeah, but 2 hours does. Uh <laughs> I feel I feel like even compared to the other two, I just the way they talk about cut stuff in these movies. I feel like there's um, even more stuff that was cut from the third one. If, if you're doing, if you're doing, if you have to do this in two movies, you end it. They split Deathly Hallows. Yeah, no, that's why I'm saying if you have to do this in two movies, you end it where, um, at the very, you end it around the Siege of Gondor and with, in Shelob's Cave. So you have one, one, one thread that seems to have kind of resolved itself to a certain degree and one like big cliffhanger to start the next movie on. What do you mean? Because the one threat's been dealt with. Well, you ended And then in, you have another threat looming. You ended in the lowest point for both all all of the story threads. Yeah. Yeah. I mean th- that makes sense too. I just there's just so much that goes on in Return of the King. God, can you imagine setting down for like this movie and then it ending like with a downer and then you're like, there's another goddamn movie. And that's what they did with Deathly Hallows. But that was like And that so Yeah, I know, and it just started a trend that I don't particularly like. But... I remember when they said like, oh, Deathly Hallows is gonna be two movies. Cause the cause the book is short. No, the book's long. It's, it's like the it's like it's the, the middle second, length book. It's the second longest book, um, just behind uh, Order of the Phoenix. Is it? Is it longer than Goblet? Maybe. I don't think it is. I don't want to Google Harry Potter because J.K. Rowling's trash. But like, also. But Harry like, Potter. and then Half Blood Prince. Half Blood Prince is, is the shortest book. No, Sorcerer's Stone's the shortest book. I remember when Half Blood Prince came out and being like, "Why is this so small?" Okay. It's You're like half the size of Goblet. This. Yeah, but it, Goblet of Fire is a massive freaking book. Yeah, and Order of the Phoenix is even bigger. So then just the... just I don't even know. Alright. Per the UK edition, Order of the Phoenix is 766 pages. Goblet of Fire is 636. Oh, there's... Wow, Half Blood Prince is six hundred seven pages. Half Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows both are six hundred seven. Those books do not feel that long to me. Like when I was when I read them, they did not feel that long. They try. felt super short. Maybe you were. I mean, you were older. I guess you, you were more invested, so you're just like pew 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 pew. You know, That's like true. Uh, I read every single Harry Potter book one time, and uh, except for Goblet of Fire, each one in one sitting. So that probably does have something to do with it. 
But I wonder how different the page counts are for the American versions, because they probably are. Yeah. Uh, American variants. Deathly Hallows is 759 pages. Sorcerer's Stone's 309. Chamber's 341. So those two are longer. Um... They have more pages because they have bigger font and chapter pictures mm. in the U.S. versions. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it has been a long time. It's, I mean, it's been since high school. Yeah. Since I read those. But I just I remember Order of the Phoenix to Half-Blood Prince being like, why is this book so much shorter? Yeah. <laughs> they that, were getting longer. That, that's, that was a step down. But like, yeah, Order of the Phoenix, the longest one. Yeah. But like so, so like getting getting back to what I'm talking about, like so much happens in Return of the King. They talk a lot about how there's just there's no room to really do Eowyn's story in this runtime, mm. and like you can't well, do, you okay. can't do the Durnhelm thing. It's it's better than um the freaking the animated one where she just shows up. Yeah, she just shows up because she's relevant to the plot, and they forgot about her. They're like, oh, gotta... damn it, <laughs> this lady's gonna show up now. <laughs> right, she just rides in. Everyone's just Eowyn kills the Witch King. There's no precedence. Disappears. Yeah, <laughs> you never see her again. It's just a thing. Yeah, it is certainly better than that. I think, but I think it works because they did this in a trilogy, so we we established who Eowyn was um, very well in the previous movie. Yeah. So, like, riding the emotional weight and what we know about her from that movie into this one. It's still, to me, having seen all the, you know, the theatrical versions of these now, um, it still feels satisfying. Yeah. I, it, you know, for like a casual moviegoer audience, like, oh yeah, it's the warrior chick from the the second movie. Hell yeah, girl. Like, I am no man. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I, um, I agree. I, I like this conversation, but also the fact that it's happening in this area pulls me out of it, and I understand why they cut it. Right, like this should have been a night scene. This probably, should have, yeah. This should have been like they're like sharing a campfire, like sharing a tent or whatever. Musing, uh, like it's like the last night they're alive. You know, like right. This should have been a night scene. Yeah, for sure. Because I and I understand the logistics of that too, because they're about to say like you know we ride till dawn. Basically, because they're so far away from Rohan. I also think right? What that, is this, like three in the afternoon? I also think that all of the the logistics, like trying to explain the logistics of where the Rohirrim are in relation to where Minas Tirith is, takes away from the urgency of the situation. Does that make sense? Well, because like, the movie, even the theatrical version, establishes that the Rohirrim are on the way. Right. So you're always waiting for them to show up. Right. Um, but I like, I don't know, I like not seeing them until they do show up because then it's more of a, like, a fist pump thing. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it You're about building the tension. Like, I feel like, I mean, the brakes were already, like, pumped before, like, because they had to camp at the Spooky Mountain campground you know right instead of like gathering everyone on the way and going to Minas Tirith like meeting up like they have to like muster 
that elsewhere. Doesn't even, that doesn't even feel like it's in the same movie. <laughs> when you think about everything what, going spooky on. Spooky camp? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Because the like as like these these could have easily been six movies. This this movie has I think the theatrical edition of this movie um is paced very well. Um and and so like putting all the extended stuff back in which like most of the time i'm like into um except for exposition gandalf oh my god but like i can definitely understand why they chose to cut them yeah if i was gonna because it throws off the flow for me i think yeah i mean if i was gonna pick something to keep in a single scene that was cut to keep in each movie for return of the king it's definitely this one Mm. For me, I think that this one is just does a lot for both of these characters that it it feels the most like it should stay to like it should have stayed to me. And in Fellowship, it's the conversation between Aragorn and Elrond oh, um, at oh, his mom's grave. Oh, Aragorn and Elrond? At his mom's grave. Not Aragorn and Boromir and Lorien? Oh, that too. The extended version of that is also good. But like, I think ultimately when you when you watch a theatrical cut, it's good to understand where Boromir is coming from. Yeah. But I think if you, but I think it's also more, it, I think it's even more important to really highlight the like internal struggle of Aragorn and like what, like his. But I feel like Boromir's death is the catalyst that act like the actual catalyst that sets Aragorn on his path and not Elrond. Here we go. Talking about Boromir. Here again. we go. Talking about Boromir. <laughs> we always talk about Boromir. Uh, he's not even in this movie. <laughs> well, he has the he has the most sophisticated character arc of any character in these movies, in a lot of ways. I think what I'm saying is, um, having only seen the extended before starting this podcast, yeah, I like the extend or not, yeah, I like the theatrical version of Return of the King the most. Of the three theatricals, yes, yeah, I think the theatrical, like the theatrical fellowship clips right along it's like i know a, it's, it's a weird, good watch but it's weird <laughs> yeah because there's just stuff i'm waiting for that yes. doesn't happen uh, but like i think that that movie is paced like the theatrical fellowship i think is paced i think it's paced the best but i don't but i, I think i agree with you i think that the return of the king one is the is the best one but the fellowship the fellowship theatrical is just paced in such a way that by the time you're done you're just really primed to want more mm. Which is exactly what a first movie needs to do. Right. Um, both cuts of Two Towers are kind of a mess in different ways. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's your favorite one. It, it is. But like, I can admit that there are parts of the, the, the way that Two Towers shakes out theatrically. like at, Or just like as a movie where it just feels weird in places. Yeah. I don't know, man. Because it's so different from the two movies on either side of it that things about it stick out more as like, why did you do this? I think, um, I think I could comfortably say like a reaffirmation of my rankings, I guess. Yeah. Now that we're, you know, over halfway done with this movie. Yeah. I think I could comfortably say that two towers is like my third favorite. Yeah. It's still the one you like the least. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to do it positively. That's why I said it was my third favorite, not the one I didn't like. <laughs> not the one, not the one that I hated with every fiber of my being. No, I don't. I don't hate that movie. No, I think it's the one that benefits the most from the extended version. 
uh, it, it's got the most, it, it's got the most added to it that feels like it writes some of the issues with the theatrical version of that movie. Mm. Uh, it still feels like it drags in places, but that's, I think has more to do with the like drive to make it feel more like a war movie than anything else going on. Mm. But I I think that movie benefits the most from its extended treatment. But there's just still stuff in the all the extended versions where it's I understand why this was cut, but I feel like it does it does a lot of service to the narrative to still have it. Yeah. Even if it slows down the the movie in places. Yeah. Because a lot of the cut stuff is character driven moments but that I inform think... decisions that you can infer why they were made by these characters. But there's not, um, there's some stuff that seems to lack, like, an explicit catalyst here and there. Mm. I, um, but the difference between, like, um, I use Fellowship as an example because I feel like that has the most, um, character-centric deep dive conversations that are cut. Mm. Um, especially, you know, Boromir. Boromir. Um, <laughs> so, I... I think that I I'm I'm missing things from fellowship whereas with this scene I don't feel like I'm missing anything from mm. it not being included. Mm. I can see that. Like I I I definitely understand that cuz you really aren't missing anything. Anything that happens after this with these two characters is easy to infer the motivations of from previous scenes that weren't cut. Right. So you're right. You're not, you're not like missing anything. So like just because their character journeys are not explicitly stated, like in this um, conversation, I can, um, it's, it's more subtle. Right. You can still, you can still see it. Like it, yeah. it all still tracks. Yeah. Um, Eowyn is the character in particular, aside from Boromir, that probably gains the most arc wise from all of her extended scenes. I think Baromir too. Faramir, def Faramir games too. It, it's like they're the three that definitely gain the most for sure. Um, but it, you're, we also lose some of Pippin and Mary's character growth from losing some of the extended stuff yeah. across Two Towers and Return of the King. But we also have like, but we have so many characters. Pippin, well, well, Mary and Pippin, like we, we have like a full movie on, like, well, extended wise, as far as like Eowyn's. yeah. Yeah, that's true. But character. They do um basically nothing in the first movie. Like Legolas, Gimli, Merry, and Pippin do uh basically nothing in Fellowship. Excuse me. Gimli tries to chop the ring in half. He's the most ballsy dude at that, at right? that meeting. It's like, well, whatever, let's give it a shot. Right? If this works, it works. If it doesn't, well, yeah. It doesn't. Like uh, it tells you everything you know need to know about Gimli in that movie immediately. Gimli is the embodiment of you miss one hundred percent of the shots, shots you, you don't take. take. Gimli's a barbarian. <laughs> Gimli is not a fighter. Right. Well, Gimli is a barbarian. Can I hit it very hard with my axes? Right. If I hit it, will it die? <laughs> I'm the man for the job. Oh my god. Doesn't bleed. <laughs> I will make it do so. Right. Good God. Oh, Gimli. Boromir. Boromir's a fighter. Yes. 
He's just he's just here to do his he's job. Here for a good time, so not, not for a long, a long time. time. <laughs> he's bad at will saves. Oh. Oh my god. But yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I guess all that to say, um, I understand why this was cut, and I don't really miss much of it. Mm. But Carl Urban, though. You know, anything that gives me 15 seconds of Carl Urban, I'll allow it. (laughs) Not that I have any say over, like, the cut of this movie. Obviously, it's, like, 15 years old. Right, yeah. But, like, I'll allow it. (laughs) Oh, God, I love Aomer so much. He's so so dramatic. He is. It's the best. It runs in their family, dude. Yeah. Have you you met their uncle? I can see an alternate version of the cast where Carl Urban plays Boromir. Because hmm. just because I think that it's the kind of role Carl Urban is really good at. Yeah. I can't. I cannot see anyone. But then you have like, Sean Bean be Amor. No, that's weird. That's just an alternate universe where you switch him. Yeah, no, that's weird. I cannot. I can see Sean Bean play Amor. I feel like he's too old to be Amor. I don't think he was at the time this movie. Was I made. no, I, 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 Boromir feel, feels older to me than um Crawler was. Champagne was what, like forty maybe when this movie was what? made. What? No, really? Nah. Wait, how old is Champagne? <laughs> the Google machine will tell me. He was definitely in his thirties. He had to have been. He's sixty-one. Boom! Yeah, I knew it. My instinct wow. was correct. I knew that I knew he had to be like 40 years old when he made this movie. That's a good looking 61, dude. Right? He doesn't look like he's aged a whole lot in the no. last 20 years. Huh. Well, Sean Bean is the same age as my mom. That's um disconcerting. Thanks for ruining that for me. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so like just kidding. She doesn't listen to our podcast either. Right. I I, I just knew it. Like <laughs> What, how old is Sean Bean? I think he must have been 40 when this movie was made. Huh. Wow. Yeah, dude, that's too old for Aomer. See, but I don't think he looked like he was in his 40s. I think he looked like 30, 34. Yeah, that's too old for Aomer. I don't think that's too old for Aomer. Dude, I think that's a- too I think old we're for supposed Aomer. to read Aowen as in her mid, like, mid-20s. 26, maybe. Yeah, that's... Amor being and Amor is her older brother, so Amor and he's a man that's been in a lot of combat. See, but Carl so Urban, a, so Amor reading in his mid thirties, like looking kind of in his mid thirties, seems fine because he's supposed to be a like a combat hardened guy, so he probably should look older than he but really is. But I thought is. we talked about the fact that maybe they were twins. Right, that's how I always read them in the book. That's how I always felt about them. But they aren't. Like he's older. Yeah. No, I know canonically he's not, but like, see. He's Carl 13 Urban years younger than Sean Bean. Is only 48. So like, yeah, no, that that tracks with me. I feel like Sean Bean was too old. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I still think Armor is the kind of role Sean Bean is good at, too. Yeah. Like, they, they're <laughs> as different as the two characters are, like, their characterizations are relatively similar. As far as these are two kind of dramatic, broody guys who just well, know what they're that about. Just speaks to the um, the quality of their acting that they like feel so different. Yeah, even though they're kind of like right the, the same. Right, because like at the core, these people are you know people with a lot of pride for where they come from, who are very defensive of their way of life, who are both combat hardened guys. Did you know that Miranda Otto is older than Carl Urban? Hey, whatever. 
You know who aged like a fine wine? Well, Miranda Otto. Hell yeah. <laughs> and Carl Urban. We, yeah. And Sean Bean. Everybody. <laughs> right. And Viggo Mortensen's got to be about the same age as Sean Bean. I think he's a little older. Yeah. He looks a little older in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. But that makes sense because he's like, you know, 86 or whatever. <laughs> right. So like, is so is, is Vigo like 65? I don't know. Is Vigo is is Vigo Mortensen a senior citizen? Um, yes. Like, for real. He is 61 as he's well. 60, oh, he's the same age as Sean Bean. I figured he was older without looking. He looks older than Sean Bean. Yeah, he does. Did not age that great. <laughs> But maybe Sean Bean dyes his hair. I don't know. Whatever. But anyway. But anyway. <laughs> the oldest member of the cast is Ian McKellen, right? Christopher Lee. Yes. But still alive, it's Ian McKellen. Oh, yeah. Yes? Yeah. It has yeah. to be. And then probably John Reese davies is next. Um. Oh, my God. Why can't I remember his name? Bilbo. Oh, yeah. Ian Holm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other Ian. Ian. The other Ian. Yeah. Who's almost as old as Ian McKellen, right? I think so. Yeah, they're about the same age, I think. But anyway. And then it must be John Reese davies Because yeah. he's, he's been around a while. Um, uh, why can't I remember Bernard any? Hill? Yes, Bernard Hill. I think, I think John Reese davies is older than Bernard Hill. I do not want to Google anymore. Yeah, no, we're good. We're good. What a riveting podcast we yeah. make. <laughs> yeah. It's like, who's the oldest? They're old. Everybody. Everybody's uh, old. These movies are 20 years old. Everybody's old. What day is it? Thursday? Yeah. Okay, we'll plug in the listener group. So, okay, if you're on <laughs> if you're on Facebook and you haven't joined our listener group yet and you would like to, um, uh, it is called the Fellowship of the Mic. Um, yeah. You can also access, it should be linked to our official Facebook page. Um, the the group's private, but don't be afraid to like join. Yeah, just ask to join. If you don't look like a Russian bot or something, we'll prove you. <laughs> Russian bot. It's the Cold War. Um... I mean, that's a legitimate concern. I know, <laughs> I know. God. What year is it? All these Russian bots on Twitter. God. Speaking of Twitter, um, if you're on Twitter, we're at LOTR Minute. Uh, we don't have an Instagram because I think that's a little weird. For our audio only <laughs> podcast but you know as you do yeah but we're fairly active on both of those so if you haven't joined our listener community um feel free to do so thank you guys for listening and supporting as always we'll be back tomorrow to finish out the rest of the week with mary and eowyn and you know horses horses bye bye <laughs>